Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation, all right, chapter 1, as we continue our study there in the uh, book of uh, Revelation. And uh, let's, let's pray, please. Father in heaven, again, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your love, and we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we study your word today, that you will be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit, to the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus. <coughs> Increase our understanding, we pray, Father. Give us your wisdom. Give us, O oh Lord, the knowledge contained in your holy word. And help us to use your word and the knowledge and the wisdom to bring honor to you and to, to be a benefit to one another and to the lost and to all with whom we interact that they might come to know the loving touch of our Savior. Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're in the first chapter in the, in the book of Revelation. And again, we've, we've mentioned that the book of Revelation, and that's with an N at the end, okay? Revelation, not an S. You'll hear people mispronounce it and say revelations. No, it's one revelation that has a tremendous amount of components. But it is God's revelation, as we looked at last time, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it includes all of these things that are coming in the future. And so we, we uh, looked at the first a few verses uh, last week. And just quickly to uh, 
summarize that. And the first point that we made was that the revelation is given uh, by God to show or to inform his servants, the believers, of things that are coming in the future. And things that are happening even now and things that are, that are yet to, uh, to occur. Things which must shortly take place. And, and uh, we mentioned that there are people who scoff. They say, well, you know, Jesus lived some 2,000 years ago. He was crucified and, and died and buried and resurrected and he ascended back to heaven. It's been, it's been almost 2,000 years. But the wording doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to take place in a short period of time, but actually with respect to when these things begin to occur, that they will accelerate as we get closer and closer and closer to the coming of the Lord. Events will accelerate, speed up. And then the ministry of the Apostle John, and we, we mentioned that he was the beloved apostle and the only one that we believe who actually lived a full life and died of natural causes, being an old, old man. And it was the apostle John who was given the charge by the Lord to write this message, this revelation down, and to then send it to the seven churches. And as we'll continue studying in the book of Revelation, we'll see that those, those seven churches have about them various characteristics that apply to churches throughout the history of, of the church. And uh, there was a question asked this past Wednesday. Someone had asked about the phrase that we use, the church age. And he said, well, we don't find that, that phrase uh, in, in the Bible. But it's a concept, and there are many, many concepts that are discussed within the Bible, taught doctrines. So as, um, as the human race, we use the human language to communicate with one another. And so that phrase, the, the church age, refers to the period of time from the first century until the church is taken up to be with the Lord. Prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus, we had the, the period of the Old Testament. We read in the Old Testament, you have the Old Testament saints. But even in the Old Testament, you have various ages or periods of time. There was a period of time when there was no law, no specific written law. However, there was a law called, the, in the Latin, the ex talionis. It was the law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You probably have heard that saying. And so it would be hand for hand, foot for foot, eye for eye, life for life, etc., etc. But throughout all of these ages, God has always saved by grace. And even, even the law was given by God's grace. Because it was given to the Jewish people to teach them how they were to live, how they were to interact with one another, and how they were to worship God, and how they were to conduct ceremonies and to worship um, their worship ceremonies, both in the tabernacle as well as later when they built uh, the various temples. But the, the 
book of Revelation also goes on to say that there is a special blessing for those who read and those who hear and those who keep. And we said that this reading is actually supposed to be a, a public reading. And we should all read in private, but we should also read in public. And so when we meet together in a, in a service like this, we have a public reading of God's holy word. And sadly, in so many churches, the Bible is no longer read. As a matter of fact, people come to church and they, they don't even bring a Bible with them. And even though they might have one at home, they don't read it at home. It gathers dust. God's word is to be read, both, both privately and publicly. And then those who hear, that is, allow the message to, to sink into the heart, to actually make a difference in their lives. God's word is supposed to be not a stranger, but rather a welcome guest, right? A part, part of the family, amen, God's word. And then to keep it, that is to obey, to submit to it, uh, to hold on to it, to, to live by it. And then this message is to the seven churches, and we mentioned just a moment ago that it's indicative of churches throughout, throughout the ages. The message is one of grace and peace, and it's always in that order. Grace and peace, God giving to us what we don't deserve, an unmerited kindness, his love, mercy, and the peace. And that, that peace doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that we'll not have any difficulties or challenges or pain or sorrow or frustration or misery. No, the peace that's referred to here is a, is a right relationship with God made possible through the crucifixion of Jesus' death upon the cross, bringing us into a restored relationship, a right relationship, reconciled to God, forgiven. It's a special relationship. We have what is referred to as positional righteousness. We have positional righteousness. We've been given a special position. It's one of forgiveness. We are forgiven. And that forgiveness is eternal. Now, some folks get that mixed up because they, you know, they'll do something and suffer for what they've done. Well, built into choices are consequences. They're either benefits or consequences, right? <laughs> but that doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. Your salvation is a gift that has been given to us by God, and it's eternal. It is not temporary. It is eternal. But we are still subject to, to, the, to the law, if you will, in the sense of consequence. We make a choice. We're either going to benefit if it's, a, if it's a positive choice, or we may suffer a certain consequence or loss. It's just like um, the law of gravity. If I, uh, you know, I go outside and I get on the top of this building and jump off, well, what's going to happen? <laughs> I'm either going to break my neck, break one leg or maybe two legs, right? mess up my back, you name it, and might get killed. Now, is that God's fault? No, that's my own fault. So if a Christian wants to, to be a knucklehead, right, they're going to suffer 
the consequences of the various choices that, that they made. But God has forgiven us and given us eternal life. Now notice that the message comes from him. That is from God the Father, who, who is and who was and who is to come. God the Father is the eternal God. And beside him there is no other. But he's revealed himself in three distinct persons. And so he, he also refers to God the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits. That, and that, that number seven is the number of perfection. The number of completeness. God is complete in and of himself. God the Holy Spirit is complete in and of himself. And he's described in so many different ways throughout the, the Bible. And then it is from Jesus Christ, God the Son. So we have God the Trinity. That's another word that you won't find that word in the Bible. But the concept of the Trinity is definitely taught in the Bible. However, you take the cults. The cults like to say that, that Christians believe in three different gods. That's what they say. Because we acknowledge God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So they say that we're believing in three gods. No, no. That is not correct. We believe in one God who has revealed himself in three distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I think I've used this illustration before. And remember that all, all human uh, illustrations are sadly lacking, but, but we can still make a point here. H2O. What is H2O? Water. But that's when it's in its liquid form, right? But if you take that H2O from the liquid form and you put it in an ice tray and put the ice tray in the freezer, what then happens? It freezes and it becomes a solid. So it has a different form or, or state. It is a, a solid. So from a liquid H2O to a solid H2O. But now if we take the ice cube and put it in a pot, put the pot on the stove, turn the stove on and heat it up and let it heat up, what then happens? It melts, and then if we, we keep it on the stove, yes, all right. So then we have the, the steam, you see? And it is in a different state, is it not? Or referred to as a gas. So you have, you have the gas, which is the, the steam, the vapor, but it's still H2O. Three distinct, different forms or states, yet the same H2O. You, you see what we're getting at? And God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three distinct persons. And that brings us then to where we left off last week. Our third point, the person and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's, uh, let's read... And this mask is a little tight on me here, but uh, we're, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 1 and beginning at verse 4. John, and we, we mentioned that's the Apostle John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. And that's the area of 
of the turkey. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so. Amen. I am, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. So we're going to stop right there. So here he describes the person and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he, first of all, he calls him the faithful witness. The faithful witness. Jesus is the living word of God. And he is the one who brought the message of redemption. Now, from the beginning of time, God proclaimed that he would send the deliverer who would deliver the human race from the disease of sin. Now, people are worried about the COVID-19 and now the Delta variant. And, and I heard that uh, over in China, they, they estimate that they have maybe 140 plus different variants from this COVID. All right? And so all the world is, uh, people all over are, are, are worried and, and, and the news media, boy, they like to spread fear. They really do. Now, I learned something interesting yesterday. <laughs> do you know that there is not one, not one verified case of a child infecting a teacher with the COVID virus, not just across the United States, but in the entire world. Not one verified case. And that comes from the scientific community. Stop for a moment and think about that. All right? But Jesus is the faithful witness. He is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible teaches that we're to fear him. We're to fear God. God. We're to have a holy awe and reverence for him. Jesus will never lie. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. God will never lie to us. But sadly, leaders lie. Politicians lie. The news media lies. Jesus will never lie. He says of himself in John 
14.6, I am the way. Jesus speaking of himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through me. There is no other Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. Not just the best. You see, to say that he's the best is to imply that there are other ways that aren't quite as good. There is no other way. He is the only way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And then he goes on to say that he's the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. This is referring to his resurrection. He is the first and was the first person to be resurrected to a, a, a body that will never die. You say, well, what about Lazarus that he raised from the dead and, and some of those other people that he raised from the dead, etc.? They were resuscitated. They were brought back to life, but physically they still had to die eventually. They were not given a resurrection body like the resurrection body of the Lord Jesus. Because the Bible teaches that he is preeminent. He must be the first in everything because he is the first in all things. He is the firstborn from the dead. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. The Bible refers to Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. There really is only one king. Only one real king. And that is the Lord Jesus. Amen. He is. He is the king of kings. And the Lord of lords. And so he is royal. He is the king. He is sovereign of the universe. Now it goes on and says. To him who loves us. So let's move over to our, our next point here. To Jesus Christ be glory and sovereignty. And why? Well, we've just mentioned, he is sovereign Lord over all creation. But he loves us. Notice, to him, that is to Christ, who loves us. We read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And again, what does everlasting mean? What does it mean? It means everlasting. <laughs> and yet there are those who say, well, no, because if you go out and do this, then, you, then you, you're going to lose your salvation. No, that is not true. That is not accurate. You can't go a day without doing something that is probably categorized as sinful. A thought, something you say, something you do, and yet God's forgiveness and the promise of eternal life remains. It remains because 
because eternal life is not dependent upon us, but rather upon God. And it's not based upon our worthiness because none of us is worthy. Only God is worthy. He loved us. Now, I want you to, to turn to the book of Mark. To the book of Mark. And there's so many different, so many different places in the scripture. But Mark chapter 1. So many places in the scripture that, that, that demonstrate the kind of love and compassion that Jesus has for us. Mark chapter 1. And let me set this up for just a little bit. In Old Testament times, and even in New Testament times, there were people who had the disease of leprosy. And in the, in the Israelite community, if a person had leprosy, they were cut off. And the only people that they could really hang around with, if you will, were other lepers. If a person had leprosy, basically they were disowned by their family. They had to live outside of the the city limits are outside of the, the, the limits of a camp where they gathered together. And they had to wear these clothing with bells attached to the bottom of, of the, the hem of their, of their garments. And when somebody approached them as they were walking, they, they would have to pass over to the other side of the, of the road or the street and they would have to, to cry out, unclean, 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 to protect the other person from becoming contaminated, if you will, with, with leprosy. Imagine what, what that was like. They could no longer hug their children or their wife or husband, whatever the case might be, their mother or father, not feel the touch of a, of a loved one. And imagine being a leper and, and just experience the, the, the continual decay of your body and the loneliness and the, and the sadness. And how about the thought on the inside? God given up on you. Imagine what that would be like. To live without hope. The pain and the misery. And so let's read here in Mark chapter 1 beginning at verse 40. Now a leper came to him begging him, kneeling down to him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This leopard considered himself dirty and, and, and unclean. Not only physically, but, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, everything. Then Jesus, notice what it says, then Jesus moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him. 
The law said you were not to touch a leper. And anyone who touched a leper became unclean and could no longer participate in the worship community. That they too had to be had to be quarantined and set aside and could not come into contact with other people because they had touched a leper. Notice what Jesus does, and it's, it's not by accident that it says that he reached out and touched him. <coughs> Filled with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And Jesus strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Because the, the healing had to be verified by the priest. God had established a procedure to verify things. To verify that he was in fact healed and cleansed so that he could go back to his family. Now this, the reason that Jesus tells him not to go out and tell anyone was here it is in the beginning of the, of the Lord's ministry and he didn't want people flocking him. You follow? How do we know that? Because of the next verse it says, however he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. Jesus knew how the people would respond when they heard that this man had been cleansed. And we know from reading the rest of, of, uh, of Scripture that they thronged Jesus. Whenever he came to town, they thronged him. But the point here is Jesus' love. He loved him. He loved this leper. Someone that society had, had thrown to the side. It had no compassion on. Alone. Jesus touched him and healed him. He's describing the person and the nature of Jesus. And you know, people say all kinds of things about God. They say all kinds of things about Jesus. But they don't know the Jesus of the Scripture. The loving, compassionate, saving Jesus. And they need to hear that message from us. Back to Revelation. Who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And notice, Jesus told the leper, I am willing, be cleansed. The idea is one of both cleansing of the soul, the imparting of salvation, the forgiveness of sin, the cleansing of one's soul and life, and the physical healing that also occurs. Jesus is willing. He is willing to forgive. And his grace knows no limit. If a person will come to him, you see the leper came to Jesus and he said, 
If you're willing, you can make me clean. A person must come. And if they will call upon the name of the Lord, the scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the message. That's the message of the book of Revelation. That's the message of the entire Bible. That's the message that, that we as Christians have been privileged, given this, this wonderful position as children of God, to share that message of love. How many people do you know, or how many people are in your family, they, they believe that they've done something or several things that they could never be forgiven for? you know anyone like that? They actually believe that what they've done or who they are or their particular lifestyle is so bad, so wicked, so evil that they could never be forgiven for what they've done. Well, leprosy was considered a disease that was impossible to recover from. And yet, Jesus healed me because he loved me as he loves that person that you know that lives with this, this overwhelming guilt, this overwhelming feeling or attitude that they're beyond forgiveness. No one is beyond the forgiveness of God. God loves you. And it says, washed us from our sins in his own blood, and we read over in, in the book of 1 Peter that we are not our own, but we've been bought with a price. And that price was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bought and paid for. We've been bought and paid for. Jesus has redeemed us. That is, he has restored us. He has, he has bought us back into that peaceful, restored relationship. And God, God has made us kings and priests. That is, he's, he's given us a kingdom. We are citizens of the heaven. Yes, we're citizens here of the United States. We live here in this, in this world. But beyond that, we are citizens of heaven. We are royal people. Why? Because we are children of the great king. Amen. Amen. Never lose sight of the fact that you are a royal child of God himself. Therefore, we ought to act like one. Indeed. And notice, it is to God. We're servants, priests, to his God and Father. We are servants of God Almighty. That is who we serve. And when we, when we serve one another, we serve God. When we, when we seek to be a benefit to other people, we are serving God. When we're helpful to other people, we are honoring God. Of all people, we ought to be those who are willing to help others. And we should also be those who are quick to forgive others. Not based upon another person's 
worthiness to be forgiven. But based upon the fact that Jesus died on that cross for them as well. And notice that his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. To him, that is to Christ be glory and dominion, that is authority forever and forever. Forever and forever. And again, I ask you the question, how long is forever? <laughs> it's forever. Forever. So turn to uh, Isaiah. You're probably familiar with this, this passage. <coughs> Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9. So when you're studying the Bible and, you're, and you're, you're, you're thinking about the future, and how do you know that things are future? When you read something in the scripture, how do you know that it's still future? Well, if it hasn't been fulfilled yet, then it means it's still future. It's very simple. It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure that out. People say, oh, I read the Bible, and you know what? I just can't understand it. Well, like in our Sunday school lesson this morning, listen. Listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. Notice, verse 6, chapter 9 in the book of Isaiah, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Who is that child? Yes. You see it on all the Christmas cards, don't you? Well, not all of them, but many of them. They quote this verse. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Who is that son? Jesus. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called. Now, again, this, this is giving a description of his person and his nature. Wonderful. He is wonderful, is he not? And we sing that hymn. His name is wonderful. Amen. And then counselor. He is the one who can counsel us in our lives. He is the one who can enable us to overcome the challenges of life. Mighty God. Notice, who, notice that he's called Mighty God. You see that? As I mentioned earlier, those in the cults, they like to say that he's not God. That's what they say. That's how we know that they're false. Because they don't acknowledge him as God. Yet the scripture calls him God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Notice that. Or father of eternity. Prince of peace. You're familiar with that term. He's, he's called the Prince of Peace. Now notice here, verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, has this occurred yet? He's come, right? He's come, God the Son. He went to the cross. He died. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He ascended back to the Father. But has he established the kingdom once again in Israel? No, it has not been done yet. It is future. But the scripture says that his kingdom will last forever. It is coming. Jesus is king. Whether or not the world acknowledges him as king, 
does not negate the truth that he is the king. And he is the coming king. He is coming again. And back to Revelation. His dominion, notice, his glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Bible is consistent from cover to cover, from book to book, verse to verse. The Bible is consistent. Jesus Christ's kingdom will last forever. And here is the glorious part of this as well. We are citizens in that kingdom. We will live forever. Now, moving on. It goes on. Jesus will return. And the scripture says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So if you, you look into the first chapter in the book of Acts, you'll recall that as Jesus was with the disciples, as he spoke to them, the Bible says he was then taken up. And what was he taken up in? He was taken up in the clouds, it says. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And you can turn there and look at it and see that that's what it says. And there were two angels there. And said, Men of Galilee, why, why are you looking up into heaven? This same Jesus whom you've seen go up into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He's going to come with the clouds. Now, there are many different interpretations with respect to clouds. The most literal is that when he comes, you're going to see him and, and all of the clouds. But that term is also used with reference to witnesses. Over in the book of Hebrews, it says we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses indicating a multitude of people, from saints from all of the ages. The Bible teaches in this same book, in the book of Revelation, that the saints are going to be together with the Lord when the Lord returns. And if you've never ridden a horse, the Bible says that we're going to be on white horses. <laughs> you know, Hollywood didn't come up with that idea. Okay, the hero on the white horse. You, you follow? That's from the Bible. That is from the Bible. You know, the Lone Ranger used to ride the white horse, right? Okay. <laughs> but Jesus is coming back, and he comes back, and he's on this white stallion, the heavenly stallion. Amen. Well, we're out of time. And so... We get more and more into the book of, of Revelation. Pray and ask God for his, his wisdom, his, his understanding. But we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. I surrender all. And, and I want to encourage you to invite other people to come to church. Invite them to come and to hear the message. Of course, invite them to accept the Lord as their Savior. That's the most important thing. And it doesn't matter what their background is. They need to know that God loves them. They need to come to know Jesus as their Savior. 
So let's stand, please, as we sing. And maybe you're here today, and you, you're unsure as to whether or not when you die you'll go to be with the Lord in heaven. Don't put that off. God wants you to know. K-N-O-W. The Bible says in the first uh, book of, of, of John, the first epistle of John, chapter 5, says, these things have been written so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this life is in his son, Jesus Christ. Will you come as we sing? We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.